0: Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome. Big welcome. Huge welcome. Thank you for listening. I mean it. Thank you for listening. If you don't listen, we don't do it, you know. So thank you. You're the one that keeps Cop On going. Um, Doug excellently pointed out that the fact that I have, uh, you know, a Scotsman, a uh, Scotsman, excuse me, a Scotsman, uh, three Irishmen, and a Welshman on this call. It sounds like the beginning of a joke. But, you know, perhaps the only joke was our defending yesterday against Brentford 3-3, leaving Liverpool uh, having played 6-1-4, drawn two and lost none scoring 15 goals and now conceding four goals in total this season. It puts us top of the league 14 points ahead of City, Chelsea, United and Everton who were all on 13, Brighton's on 12 as we're recording this because they haven't played their game yet, their derby against Crystal Palace. Uh so that'll be uh that should be a cracking match. Anyway, Doug, I'm going to start with you. Um, I missed the match for, you know, reasons. I'm uh, very delighted. My girlfriend Stephanie has now got a PhD that she was defending yesterday. And, uh, you know, if we, uh, Liverpool, had defended as well as Stephanie defended her PhD thesis yesterday, then we would have had no problem. But, Doug, I've seen the highlights. Um, Brentford were very adventurous going forward. They were flooding the box with five players on a number of occasions. And our defending was woeful. And Jurgen Klopp said, Doug, at the end of the match that, you know, we should have scored more goals. But I think three goals is enough when you go away from home in the Premier League against any team, or it should be, and you know the problem was definitely at the back. Uh, what do you think, Doug? What were the big problems yesterday?
2: Oh uh, well, first of all, it was a magnificent game of football. It was so like end to end drama. Um, I have to say, I, I, I was, I'm a, I was, I was happy that Brentford um, played that way against us um, because, like, you you you're used to seeing like teams send back against us, like your Burnleys like um I d I don't know like uh like like the sort of wolves under sort of Nuno etc. So that was that was very, very um pleasant to see. But um I thought I thought the I thought the first sort of 10-15 minutes on Brentford started really, really well. Um you know obviously they got the early goal from for Ethan Pinnick, which I, I have to say I think it's a fantastic story. Him coming from not uh, scoring a non-league, League Two, League One championship and now Premier League those are the kind of stories that you um, you, you like to say um, and then and then I think I think we kind of settled down a little bit um, obviously got the equaliser which was a lovely lovely header from Jota um, I don't know how I don't know how a 6 foot 5 Christopher Iyer gets out jumped by a, a, a 5 foot 8 or 5 foot 9 uh, Diogo Jota so you know not good defending on on his part Um I, I do you know what, like one-one. i um, going into the break. It was it was very very good. Um, and yeah, just after that, obviously we got the the second for uh, Mohammed Salah. Um, we actually got a VAR call, which was um, nice to see as well. Um, and then uh, the second goal for them, I, I don't understand why Trent is like got a three on one. Um, so that was really really poor defending. Um, and you know, fair play to the lad. Gets gets ahead. That uh, gets ahead. That in. And you know, Trent does his very very best to clear that off the line. And then you know, the third goal is an absolute rocket from uh, Curtis Jones, who I thought was our best player yesterday. Um, but and then the one thing you have to do though, when you when you score a third, you have to go in and try and defend and, uh, and win the game. But. Um, to be fair, I thought I thought Brentford were very, very good. I'm gonna say this now. They are gonna be a match for anybody in the Premier League. If they keep playing like that, they're gonna give United run for their money. They're gonna give a Leicester their run for their money. They've got they've already beaten Arsenal. They've drawn, they've now drawn with us. You know, they are a very, very good team, very adventurous. I like the way Thomas Frank has got them set up as well. They're gonna be a match for anyone. And the one thing that I can take away from that game, yes, it was a draw, but if Virgil van Dijk doesn't make that challenge on Ivan Tony, then I think Brentford go on and win that game. It was a such an enjoyable game for neutrals, edge of the seat stuff, but that's what the Premier League is all about. Drama right until the very end.
1: It seemed like a very, very good game of football from the you know, the bits I've seen and the loads of stats that I've read from it. Um And, Brian, one of the stats that's quite interesting is it depends what XG model you look at. Um, You know, some of them are saying that Liverpool edged it on XG and some of them, uh, like, for example, the one I've got in front of me from Understat is saying that Brentford edged it on XG with 2.94 to Liverpool's 2.26. So, you know, it depends on, on, on... who you're asking, but there are so many shots, like you know, in and around the six yard box from both teams, and uh, you know, in the penalty area, it's just we gave up loads of huge chances. Were Brentford the better team, in your opinion,
0: Brian? Um, <clears throat> I, you know, what taking my Liverpool hat off, uh, you'd have to say yes, because um. They were so brave. The way they went about their their game plan. Um, I mean, they they left themselves open to being ripped open by a team like our, ours. You know, and that's a very strong team we put out there. But they're they're a very very smart club with a very very smart manager, um, very smart backroom staff, and uh, that Ivan. I think Ivan Tony. I I spotted him a few games ago. I thought, wow, he looks like a player. And he causes all kinds of trouble um, yesterday. But you know, one of the things is I'm a football fan. I mean, obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan first and foremost, beyond everything else. And so that's my my religion, uh, my football religion. And uh, but I'm a I love football, and it's difficult to to look at that game and not and not be happy in some respects. It's frustrating because obviously the results, etc., what that went our way and then the pressures on us to go and get all three points. But I think both teams gave a great account of themselves. We, if you were to, you know, we had our faults. We were, we were wasteful again in front of goal. I, I think our strikers need to be more clinical and then the game's put to bed. Um, but as a spectacle, it was amazing. I mean, really amazing. I went, I was. I went to bed, but frustrated and happy. You know, happy I saw an amazing game of football. Frustrated that I, I just knew the inevitable sea of negativity was going to come. But you know, for me, I'm you know I'm philosophical about the whole thing. I I think you know we are not going to go the whole season without losing games or, or dropping points here and there. And I think Brentford away is exactly the kind of game that we probably drop points against because they're set up perfectly to play against us because they're brave they're clever they're technical they take they have to take chances that that's the only way they're going to get something and then they have to be lucky in the in the fact that some of our players have a little bit of an off day um but to to answer your original question yeah i would say that i think they 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 edged over as over the course of the 19 minutes they were they were definitely at the better side out there so they deserved the point in my opinion
1: Very magnanimous. Uh, similar to Virgil van Dyke, uh, Brian, there you go. So similar mentality to Big Virgil, because uh, Virgil van Dyke put on Twitter, wild game and not the result we came for. <laughs> Keeping perspective is important, though. A point earned and still unbeaten. Respect to Brentford. Now, let's focus on the Champions League. That's what Virgil van Dijk said after the game. Um, is Virgil right, Fergus? We should get, just give credit to Brentford? Or was it the awful, awful shirts? Or do we actually genuinely have anything to worry about from this match? What, what's your take on it, Fergus?
3: Well, first uh, first off, in aesthetic terms, I, I adore those shirts. And I don't normally like Liverpool shirts. I mean... Liverpool kit in general, just because of the sponsorship logo kind of cheapens it. And in general, I think it, the shirts can look a bit tacky. But uh, going back to the 80s, there was a, a lovely yellow kit. And I think even, apparently, we had it in 2014-15 as well. Um, Ian Rush used to wear a yellow kit. Kenny Dalglish used to wear a yellow kit with red numbers on the back. So, yeah, I I, I, I absolutely love the kit.
1: Um, Excellent. Not no, it's good to have different opinions. There you go. It's all subjective. There you go. But yeah, the, I like the yeah. old ones with the vertical stripes, but this one with the, with the KFC uh, checks, I don't really like it. But there you go. Uh, each to their own, Fergus. But anyway, with the match, do we have anything to worry about? Um,
3: well, yesterday was a tale of uh, finishing and goalkeepers. So uh, Brentford's finishing was way better than ours. Ours was wayward. Um, you know, we, we probably had seven, six or seven shots on target, um, missed some sitters, uh, whereas their finishing was almost invariably perfect. Um, so that, that was really the difference between the sides. We had um, much more chances than them. Uh, I don't agree with Brian that uh, Brentford were the better side. I thought Liverpool were clearly the better side. Brentford put on a, a good performance. Um, but, as I say, on the day, it was a tale of finishing and goalkeepers. So, our finishing was bad. Theirs was very good. And um, uh, David Raya had a brilliant game for Brentford and saved, made some magnificent saves. Whereas Alisson on another day would have saved one or two of their goals. I'm not saying Alisson made any mistakes or had a bad performance because he didn't. But he just let in three goals. And we know that... You know, he actually, in many ways, he doesn't get enough credit because some we get quite a few points down to just Alison. And yesterday, if Alison had saved one of those or two of them, like he normally would, then we would be walking away with three points. Um, the other thing I'll say in terms of the defense is, even though our defensive players are back, uh, our defense is not back yet, and I think that's that's something. You know, they're still rusty. You know, we have our. If you just look at the names on the team sheet, we have our best four defenders. But, you know, they, they, they're they not the finely tuned uh, machine that they were when we won the Champions League. So, you know, our, our defenders are back, but our defence isn't back yet.
1: Yeah, very fair. Very fair assessment there. In terms of the stats, yeah, you're absolutely right. Brentford were very clinical. Three goals from four shots on target, um, perhaps Alisson, you know, especially on the last one, he went down and, you know, it, it's unusual to see Alisson go down, uh, you know, to the floor so quickly and, and allow people to chip it over him because he normally stands so tall. But, um, yeah, so maybe, you know, a few few things he could have done better but yeah three goals from four shots on target they had 12 shots overall though Liverpool had 16 shots in total and only six on target and I have seen for example Mohamed Salah's miss um that you know maybe we can talk about in a bit but you know more of the details of the game but I'm just I'm just curious you know straight off um Alan with with your uh opinion too on on this result are you are you desperately disappointed now that you've, you know, had time to sleep on it?
4: Absolutely, Owen. Um I'll have to hold my hand up and say I was predicting a 5-0 win during the week. I just thought that um, Brentford had a great start, as we've seen many teams do in the Premier League. And one day their bubble was going to burst than I thought it was yesterday. To be honest, uh, I'll have to hold my hands up and say they're a lot better team than I thought. Um I hadn't watched them, to be honest. I'd only seen some highlights. and uh, I think they were the better team yesterday. I think they deserved the win more than read it. Um, um, I think what well, I was most disappointed with. I know everybody's talking about their defence. Yes, there was lots of mistakes. Uh, Allison didn't have his best game ever, even though he meant no blaring mistake. But, um, I, my disappointment came from the midfield. Um, I think yesterday was the first game the people realized how much we miss genie you know G- genie would have been the player up there around around the number 10 spot getting the first ball tackling pressing holding up the ball for us and we didn't have any of that yesterday curtis jones was the best midfielder we had fabinho was limited because he was obviously had to um defend so much but um I think midfield is where we lost it yesterday. Even when we did go 3-2 up, I thought Milner should have come on. We should have sewed up that midfield a bit better. I thought Jones was not the one to come off. I thought Henderson's legs were gone in the second half. I think around the fifty-six minute, I I noticed that he wasn't getting back. He wasn't doing his normal flat-out run. Henderson were all used to... And... I think when he took Jones off, brought Bobby on, and then Sadio Mane seemed to be sitting back in the midfield and defending and stuff, which he did well. But uh, that's where I thought we lost it. I thought he should have sewed up midfield and uh, helped, helped the defence. Also, the other thing I think that um, was against our defence was Brentford playing two strikers up front. I think the last team to play two strikers up front against us was Watford year we won the title but they bet us 3-0 and uh, felt a lot like that game yesterday where our, our two central defenders were so busy defending that we didn't see like like Mattup for instance going forward with the ball like we have so far this season and I'm not giving it up for Klopp because I love Klopp as much as anyone but he has a tendency over the years to get caught up in these games where he doesn't use his substitutes and doesn't, doesn't um, at some stage realised that, okay, we need to throw up midfield. Um, but overall, I, I actually thought Brentford deserved to win. Uh, two very good teams, and I'm really surprised how good they were.
1: Well, okay. Okay. I mean, so it, it's a very interesting assessment. Uh, lots, to, lots to talk about with that. I just wonder, um, you know, in terms of the control, I mean, why was the game so wild? This is something that you don't you don't get from from highlights. I mean, Virgil described it as wild, as I said before. And Doug, I just wonder, you know, why was that? I mean, in, is it just as simple as we missed Tiago or even Cato as 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 a controlling influence in that midfield? Is that something that Klopp could have changed from the bench, uh, as as Alan was saying? Um, why was it so wild?
2: Oh, I mean. It was it was a very very strange game of um of football, but I think we did kind of lose in the midfield. I think look, I think I think Curtis Jones has done very very well yesterday. I think I thought he was probably our best player. I think everyone else apart from maybe Mo, I think we're probably um uh, poor um uh, to be honest with you. But um I thought. I thought actually, if you if you look at it, like their their midfield, like th- um, three, I think it was Norgard. I think it was um, I can't remember the German lad's name, but uh, obviously Hansi Flick was was watching them. Um, yeah, I I think we kind of missed a just just someone to sort of dictate the sort of the tempo of the, of the play, just just kind of relax it down a wee bit. And I think we definitely missed Thiago yesterday. Um, you know, I think it's a big blow that he's going to be missing from, you know, the Porto game and obviously Manchester City as well. Um, and you know, he's going to be missing for, you know, until the next international break. I think it's um, he, he could be back for uh, the Watford game um, as well. And then that that's quite a that's quite an interesting period as well because obviously I think we've got Watford, Atletico, I think Manchester United are on the horizon as well. So. We definitely need just someone to just sort of slow down the the, the tempo of the play. Um, and I think we definitely missed Thiago yesterday. I think we missed Cate yesterday. And I I agree with what Alan said. I think we should have probably brought on Milner um, uh, for Jones um, yesterday. But I, I do agree. I think Henderson's legs were going from him um, as well. So I think I think I think if Milner had come on, I think we may have probably. Um, won that game, but uh, why it was so wild? It was just, just a, just a, a, a classic for you know a Premier League game. Um, I mean, you attack, they, we attack. It was just that kind of game, and I think we did lose something in the uh, in in the midfield um, yesterday. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would have I would have probably played. Um, I would have probably brought on Milner yesterday instead of uh, instead of Bobby. To be fair, I thought Bobby did actually do pretty well when he when he came on. But I think we just needed that little bit of experience in the in the midfield to come on, so see out the game. Um unfortunately that 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 wasn't it. But um we 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 needed an experienced head to come on and see come out and see the game yesterday.
1: Yeah, very interesting stuff. I mean staying on this midfield battle, I mean, of course Fabinho got an assist, a beautiful pass for Mo Salah, for Mo Salah's goal. It it was perfect pass, absolutely brilliant. We've seen it. A number of times since he's come to Liverpool, that ball over the top from deep from Fabinho was absolutely magnificent. Jordan Henderson, yeah, okay. So you say, you know, as I say, I don't know because um, I didn't watch the whole game, but, you, you know, his legs went. You you concur with Alan. And, um, but he also got an assist. And, 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 you know, you mentioned the, you know, six foot five uh, Brentford defender losing out to, to Diogo Jota, who's, you know, like basically, uh, I don't know. He's way shorter. You know, this is Napoleon versus Napoleon's horse, and Napoleon gets the header in. Uh, so Henderson, you know, credit to Henderson because that cross was was again perfect. And then Curtis Jones, of course, he scored. I mean, via a deflection, but he had four shots yesterday. Um, one of them was on target, and that was the one he scored from. So, it, so from our three midfielders, we, we had an assist two assists and a goal. But when you look at the passing stats, um, the pass completion, their average pass accuracy was was very good from all three of them, 90.2% for Fabinho, 83.3% for Jordan Henderson and 87.8% from Curtis Jones. But when you look at the amount of passes, 61 for Fabinho... 54 for Jordan Henderson and 41 for Curtis Jones, who was replaced by Firmino, Firmino, who only had eight passes uh, in his 23 minutes plus additional time on the pitch. We didn't, that's not many for midfielders at all. Normally you would expect a midfielder to get at least one midfielder, especially with Liverpool to get about 90 passes, at least one of them. And uh, you know, our most was 61 passes. So Brian, In your opinion, in this midfield battle, was it a question that Brentford just packed the midfield, and you know, credit to them, full credit to them for making it so difficult for our midfielders to play?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think people are sleeping on Brentford because they are they are not your normal Championship side or promoted team. They play exceptionally, uh, exceptionally, how am I going to say, novel football i mean all you gotta know is that how they they put every single man up on on corners and set pieces that kind of tells you what their attitude is they're like go hard or go home and if you go back and look at the the goals that they scored against us it's like scary they have like five or six they have five players in the box nearly every single time yeah, people are talking about uh, Trent you know having three guys on him, but it was like that every single time they put the ball in, they really, really, really gamble. and like when that comes off, that comes off. And I just think it was a perfect vortex yesterday of um, you know Brentford fans have got Liverpool coming. they're up for it. It's a very noisy stadium. Um, they're well managed by a, a guy who reminds me of Klopp actually he, even I think Klopp even indicated as much as well he reminds the, the, the club reminds him of Mainz in many ways and uh, they've got a lot of great players i mean that uh, that tony uh, striker scored 33 goals in the championship last season um and uh, you know our our our, our player canos uh, had an, an exceptional game yesterday i mean if you look at the heat map for of the game you he, he kept uh robo right back Robo was i think was one of the deepest player in the, in the liverpool team yesterday and i just think sometimes you just gotta take your hat off and, and give it to them i mean i think we we tried to change up in the second half when i think Klopp went to a a four two three one when he brought bobby on to kind of address the imbalance in the middle of the pitch but I, I, my personal feeling about yesterday and how, why we lost, I just think we we were sleeping on them a little bit. I think the only way we beat them yesterday is if we treat that like a Champions League final because they're going to come at it so hard, which they did. It's a free hit for them. Nobody's you know going to judge them if they don't turn over Liverpool or they drop points. And they were really, really, really up for it. And also, a lot of their goals were extremely clever. I mean, if you look at the first goal that Brentford scored It was a beautiful set piece uh i think it was uh i'm not sure it was robo but one of our players was pulled to the ball which left left space in behind he just dinked it over and then they just they just sent it in and passed it on twice and then you know tapped it in the back post it was absolutely beautiful looked like something that was worked in training ground and a lot of their play had that kind of hallmark to it, like a very strategic move. It wasn't, there was no, I wouldn't say there was any lucky goals on their behalf. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we were, I just think we were off the pace a little bit. We we didn't take them as seriously as we needed to take them. And I agree with the guys saying we needed, we needed James Milner on the pitch at some stage. We needed some kind of steady head. I mean, I, I don't know if there was anything, there was an awful lot we could have done um, with that match in a second the way it was going because they were going all out we, we were lucky to get out of there with a point in the end um I'd say but uh you know like I say as a spectacle as a game it was brilliant there was a couple of players at Liverpool who could probably you know have a look at themselves a little bit in the mirror today but it's going to happen Football's a game of different results we're not going to just go three points three points three points three points and I would suggest that these are the kind of teams that will probably get something out of us if there's any team they're going to get out of us. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know if it, the, the game was... I wouldn't say the game was won and lost in the midfield uh, battle. I think the game was won and lost in the mentality of our players. I don't think the mentality of our players, whilst it was good, it wasn't where it needed to be to deal with what Brentford gave us yesterday.
1: Yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah. Um... Is there anything we can do to stop that overload fergus tactically i mean it's a kind of thing where i would i would imagine chelsea would struggle a lot less with brentford um you know overloading at the back post because brian's exactly right for two two of their goals they had a three on one at the back post against trent um you know, it was the it was Janelt's goal, the fourth goal of the match. There was a long ball from the goalkeeper to the right winger who passed to Ayer, who's supposed to be a centre back, I thought, but he was on the right wing position. He got his cross in far too easily. But the Brentford players were hanging out at the back post. They were playing a card game, you know, they were you know, they were having some cigarettes, they were, you know, just hanging out. They'd been there for ages, loitering. It was four versus two in the box, but three versus one at the back post. Um, Maybe Fabinho could have stayed on the line and maybe as well for their first goal uh, for Pinnock, Fabinho was pretty poor at the back post, his work there. Again, Robber was poor at the near post. He could have stopped the cross a bit better. But I don't know, Fergus, is is it... You know, in terms of the details of the match, is it is it more like the, the, the fact that the details were the things that cost us? Had Fabinho just defended a bit better twice, we could have got away with it. Or is there some kind of system systemic problem that, you know, we need to sort out tactically?
3: Uh, well, yesterday, um, we were confronted by tactics, uh, Brentford's tactics, and we struggled to deal with them. Uh, Brentford's tactics were uh, give the ball to David Raya in goal. He's he's got a great right foot on him. He was launching it forward. Edison like to Ivan Tony, who would nod it backwards. They they've got three six foot central midfielders, so uh, then they would win the second balls. They would be running onto the second balls, and that's where we really failed. You know, there were so many holes in the midfield. Fabinho, um didn't have his best game. So um, Jones and Henderson, you know, basically Brentford. Brentford's tactics outwitted us in that respect. And you were saying the midfielders hardly had any touches because that's what you know. David Raya was was you know flying over flying the midfield with his, pass, his passes. Passes. Um, when you look at uh, Joel Matip won uh, 5 of 12 aerial duels and Virgil van Dijk won 7 of 13. So you can see basically we lost 50% of the aerial balls, you know, and that's really the key to the match, that is, and as Brian pointed out and the other guys pointed out, then you know the other thing that Brentford did really well was overload the back post. Now that's that's quite a new. It, it seems obvious now, but it's quite a new tactic. You know, that launching the ball into the back post and having three players attacking the back post. See, Brentford run everything on statistical models. They are actually, you know, re- running algorithms to decide what the best plays are. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that came out in an algorithm rather than you know rather than some uh, uh, previous coaching manual. Um, so we struggled to to cope with them. Um, and also, I'd say that the team looked potentially, I mean, I, I don't always attribute mentality to defeats or to lost points. But I mean, there might have been some complacency in the side of our side, because we went ahead twice, 2-1 and 3-2. And each time we went ahead, you know, we thought, okay, that's it now. We've, we've done it now. Um, you know, we're back in front, we're back in control, but then we let them back in straight away. Um, the other thing is Klopp made a, a mistake on the substitution. Jones just hit a screamer. He was already preparing to take Jones off and switch to a four, two, three, one, bring Bobby on for Jones. Um, so, but then, Jones, so Bobby was standing on the sideline waiting to come on when Jones hit a screamer, scored. So the game state had changed. You know, he wanted to make it a four-two-three-one, get an extra. He said the reason was because the midfield was being um, bypassed. He needed more. You know, he needed more more forwards. I think he just said the, the midfield wasn't. Um, you know, there was nothing happening in midfield, so he needed more forwards. So, um, but the, the game state had changed immediately, and and yet he he proceeded to continue to take um to take um uh, curtis jones off so i think that would if he just brought milner on then or left jones on because he just scored because we, we were now ahead um yeah but anyway that's um that's how i see it we were we were a victim to a novel side playing novel tactics coming up from the championship that uh, we were not wise
1: to, and hopefully we'll be wise to them in the next game. Yeah, lovely stuff. It's um, it's a really good analysis of of Brentford, absolutely. And uh, both uh, Brian and Fergus there mentioning Ivan Tony. I mean, he's one hundred and seventy nine centimeters, so it's just about um, six foot. Um, not even the biggest, but his his aerial abilities is really. Qu- Crazy. He, he wins on average 5.33 aerials per 90, putting him in the 93rd percentile of all forwards in Europe. Um, it's extraordinary. His leap is absolutely extraordinary. He's 25 years old. Um, he's exactly the kind of player, I mean, a late bloomer your archetypal late bloomer this is his eighth club he's played for Northampton Barnsley Newcastle Shrewsbury Scunthorpe Wigan Peterborough and then Brentford and it it's funny because you know Newcastle had him and they they sent him out on loan and at Shrewsbury he got six goals in 19 matches nothing brilliant there Scunthorpe uh, the next season, he got six goals. The season after that, eight goals. The season after that, at Wigan Athletic, four goals. And then suddenly, when he was 22 at Peterborough, he got 16 goals in 31 starts. And then the season after that, he followed it up with 24 goals in 32 starts. And this is when Brentford identified him. And they said, yeah, this guy's got talent. So they took him from League One up to the championship, where he, sc- he scored not 33 goals, but 31 goals. And tennis is- from forty four starts or forty-five matches in total. And this season, two goals, two assists in six matches. It's really, really, really impressive. He's exactly the kind of forward that Gareth Southgate would not pick unless he plays for a big team. So that tells you everything about how dangerous he is. Um Alan, uh the um our players, uh, you know, our players, um, Uh, uh, Fergus mentioned the the heading stats. They're very good heading stats. Um, Joel Matt usually wins 70% of his aerial duels, uh, which is one of the second only to uh, um, one of the Burnley players. I forget which one, Charlie Taylor, for winning headed duels. Maybe not Charlie Taylor. He's not the tallest. But anyway, he's the second in the whole Premier League, usually or he was before yesterday, for a winning aerial duel. So, obviously, we've spoken a little bit about him, uh, you know, having an off day against the brilliant Tony. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's so much to talk about. Um, I No, no, okay, I'm going to talk about Curtis Jones from our players. Because, because okay, we've got... Uh, Injury crisis in midfield already, three of them. Obviously, Harvey Elliott long-term, Nabi Keita. We don't know when he'll be back after, you know, hitting the grass, which is a very typical Nabi Keita injury to get. I mean, very unlucky. I'm not laughing at this situation. I just hope he comes back soon. Uh, so, yeah, Nabi Keita's out. And, of course, Thiago is calf injury. So we've got three of our eight midfielders left. Curtis Jones steps in. Loads of people uh, pre-season were you know complaining about curtis jones even before this match complaining about curtis jones i don't see it i think he's a fabulous fabulous player in fact even last year i i I predicted a future ballon d'or for him so so elated was i with with curtis jones's performance who knows if that will happen but he's certainly a brilliant talent and my question for you alan is if we had bought him in the summer how much do you think he's he's actually worth in today's market? Because I think if we bought him from, you know, some some team, we bought him from Dortmund, for example, bringing him into the team, we'd be we'd be all salivating at how brilliant he is, wouldn't we? I mean, you know, how much is he worth in today's market? And and also, you know, is it you know is it really key that like is he has it has he got a fabulous opportunity now to show everybody, show the world how great he is?
4: But definitely, um, i'm i'm a huge fan of Curtis. I think um, I think uh, some of the fans that were doubting him before weren't weren't realizing that most of the games he played last season was in our team that was decimated and losing games all over the place. Um, I actually think if Curtis hadn't got that concussion at the beginning of the season, he would have started the first game. And um, how much would he be worth now? God, if you paid sixty million for him, wouldn't you be? kind of around the the market price. Um, I think he's huge potential, huge in every area. In the first few minutes yesterday, say the first five minutes, he made three or four, not fouls or dirty tackles, but hard tackles, won the ball back, let the players know they weren't going to settle on the ball. And then the other thing as well is in the first half, he had another great shot that hit the post, which um, um, we could have scored from the rebound then, but we didn't. I think Curtis is, is going to just build and build and build and get stronger and stronger this season. Um, we all know he has the mentality for it because he's such a, not cocky, but such a confident lad. And uh, it's just a pity yesterday that he came off at that stage, like like the lad said there, he, after scoring that goal. It wasn't his first shot of goal. He was looking lively. And uh, to me, he was the best midfielder in the pitch yesterday, possibly the best player in the game. Just just again, to go back to... um the midfield like without without um Miller coming on there. It was like Curtis was the leader of that midfield yesterday, which is surprising when you have Henderson there. But it was like that. I, as I said already, Henderson seemed to be gassed 54 fifty-four, fifty-five minutes he just seemed un, unusual for Henderson. He seemed to be too tired even to shout at the lads. Um, and I thought Curtis stood up well and was the man for the game. Also the other thing about the the lads are saying there with the game we didn't control the midfield. Uh, I have a note here yesterday I was watching the game and I just said in seventy five minutes it was the first time we were three three two up at the time and it's the first time we start playing the ball around the midfield. We start playing from side to side, a few forward passes, a few back passes. And I I made a note here that said it's about time we've started to slow the game down and control it. Unfortunately we only did it for two or three minutes and then it they got the third goal and we fell apart again. But um for me Curtis, is, is he's definitely the future um, unfortunately um Tim Henderson is going to become the new Millie from now on I think he's going to be that player that comes on for midfield when there's someone else injured because I know he's a great player and he's the legs have what's met him the player he is over the years but every player and it's my age you've seen a lot of players the legs can just go overnight and I thought he went yesterday I think um He's on the wean, and I think Curtis is going to step in there and take over that position.
1: Very interesting. And how much How much would you say Curtis Jones is worth if you're going to put a number on it? Would you say, like I would, about 50 million, 60 million?
4: Yeah, I think around the 60 million market. In the corn market, it says 60 million. If we bought him for 60 million, we'd be quite happy. And we'd be, like you said, we'd be all very, very excited about the future.
1: I think so, and 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 you know that's obviously taking into account that he's he's English as well. So you add the English tax. I mean, that's Absolutely. including the English tax. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, very interesting stuff. Thanks, Alan. Um, another one about uh, we're going to talk about Manchester City in a moment um, because I just want to move on uh, from from yesterday's game. It, 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 um, Salah, of course, though, got a hundred goals, and we t- we've been talking about Salah every week, telling, saying how brilliant he is. So I'm, I'm not going to have another Salah loving because, you know, we can just quietly reflect on just these, these uh, quick stats. Um, he's got 100 goals uh, from LFC history, the wonderful LFC history site. Um, they're broken down thus. In 1718, he got 32 league goals. Of course, that's a record. Um, you know, you name a brilliant striker to have graced the Premier League. Thierry Henry, for example, Alan Shearer, for example, Uh, you know, Torres, Suarez, uh, United have had a couple, unfortunately. Van Nistelrooy, what a player he was. Um, You know, and you can name any of them. None of them have scored 32 league goals in a season. Uh, But Salah has. He did it in his first season. Then he got 22 the season after. In 1920, he got 19 and then in 2021, last season he got he got 22 league goals. Which, I mean, it's extraordinary from the wing. And this season already five in six games. Um, he's brilliant, and and we know that. Uh, but something that's quite encouraging is if you break down the opponents he he likes scoring against, he's. Scored against, he scored nine goals against West Ham, which is the most. And he, then he scored eight goals against Watford and Bournemouth. And then he scored seven goals against Crystal Palace and Southampton. But he scored six goals against three teams Arsenal, Tottenham, and Doug, Manchester City. So there, there we are. He's sort of equal fourth on his list of. Uh, you know, teams he likes to score against is Manchester City, which sort of surprised me a bit. And moving on to this game, of course, City um, really dominated against Chelsea. Again, I didn't watch it, but yeah, I didn't have to watch it because I just looked at the XG from understat. Chelsea's XG was 0.19. They had two shots from sort of, you know, wide angles inside the box. Well, one of them just inside the box on the left hand side. And uh, Chelsea's other shot from inside the box was wide on the right-hand side, uh, sort of almost in line with the penalty spot. Um, Not really, you know, not expected to score from there. And they had one shot from the edge of the area uh, that was quite central, but uh, the XG wasn't very high for that one. And uh, one absolute pot shot from wide angle on the right. And that was it. That was all Chelsea managed in 90 minutes. Uh, Doug, I missed that game, but Manchester City—they—they they have the best defense. They've only scored, they've only conceded one goal so far, and just the way that they dominate the ball, the way that they're able to keep their—you know—to keep just to keep it. You know, they've got all of these tricky players like Grealish, you know, who are press resistant. Uh, you know, their bench is deep. Guardiola's spent, you know, a billion. Building this team, that is, it's really hard. They're really, really hard to play against. And uh, I just wonder, though, how optimistic you are at this stage of of Liverpool going there and, you know, a bit being a different test to Chelsea and and being more, you know, of our, you know, seventeen eighteen style of, you know, rock and roll football, and that might unhinge City. Uh, how are you feeling, Doug? Um,
2: well. First of all that 4-1 last season is an absolute freak result um I ain't going to happen again and plus we've got the Anfield crowd back um as well um so you know um Man City Man City yesterday absolutely dominated Chelsea um I felt Chelsea actually sat back way too much yesterday allowing you know City to go on to them and the more the game went on I always had a feeling that, that City were going to um, we're going to score it. Funnily enough, I actually, I was actually quite funny uh, to read that um, so many um, people, so many pundits, etc., actually um, had this down as a sort of a Chelsea, uh, Chelsea win, um, which, you know, I think people are forgetting the Manchester City are, are Premier League champions. You know, they, they are the champions from last season, um, and I, I, I do think that they are still the, the, the they are still the team to beat. Um, you know, people are going on this narrative that yeah, you know, City, City obviously lost against Tottenham, but the, you know that's the only game that they've um, that they've 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 lost. And yes, I know they got a no no with you know Southampton as well. And but the way that they played yesterday, I think they're going to be very very difficult to beat. Um, and yeah, you know, defensively they are they're fun they're fantastic. Um, I like Cancelo. I think he's a fantastic. You know, right back. Um, you know, he's not quite, you not know, quite a, a Trent alexander ars The one position I think we can get um, joy from is down their left hand side because you know it's either you know, you know, you you probably um, you probably play Cancelo at a left back uh, because he usually is Zanchenko or as obviously he usually would be uh, Benjamin Mendy, but obviously we all know what's happened to him, so obviously he he won't be involved as well. Um, but I look at this game and it is a very tricky one to call. Um, it is a very, very tricky one to call. And as I said, I think having the Anfield crowd back, it's going it, to it'll spur us on a little bit more um, as well. Um, I, I don't think there'll be many goals this time. Um, I don't see City getting four um, again past us. Um, as I said, I think that, that result last season was an absolute freak result. So I don't see I don't see them getting uh, I don't see them getting four goals um, past us um, again. So you know it could it could be a could be potentially like a one nil or a, maybe a two one. Um, it's it's going to be a very very interesting um, game. And I I wonder I actually wonder what Klopp's going to do with this with this team because obviously I think Porto on Tuesday I think you might see a bit more rotation than you you might have seen yesterday. Um, so I I think potentially um, I think Simicast will probably come back in for uh, Robo. I think you might see a, maybe an Arigi or a Minamino just to keep them sort of fresh for um, the, the big game um, next Sunday um, as well. But quietly, quietly confident going into this game because you know, we've got the Anfield crowd back, and uh, you know there's there's no there's no way that we're getting hammered again. Like we did, um, as well. But I, I am quietly, quietly confident that we can get something from that game and uh, bring them on, bring them on, as I as I always say.
1: Well, I love it, Doug. You're very, very, very bullish. Um, on WhoScored.com, I like it. They've got um a, a breakdown of of every team's characteristics and. Uh, Brian, they put, you know, Manchester City's strengths as attacking down the wings, creating chances using through balls, th- defending set pieces, creating scoring chances, attacking set pieces and protecting the league lead. All of that is is strong or very strong. And their only weakness, according to who scored, is avoiding offside, um, which is not very... Um, you know what's the word comforting it's not very good for for us being their next opponents and their lineup yesterday was uh, Edison goal at the back four Cancelo as Doug was talking about on the left Laporte and Diaz in the centre and Walker on the right and then in midfield they had De Bruyne um, Rodri and and Bernardo Silva and then their front three was Grealish Foden and Jesus Um, crikey that is uh, a strong team, Brian. Um, Doug was saying we can we can attack them down that down their left side when Kinsella goes forward. Maybe, maybe. Uh, do you see any weaknesses in the City side, Brian?
0: Um, no, not really. I mean, City is the same City they've been for God knows how many years now. They're just incredibly strong everywhere, right up and down the the pitch, and you know. Like him or load him, uh, Pep knows how to uh, coach a football side. Um, every time we play City, the the strategy or the requirement always remains the same. We have to be perfect. That, that's literally it. We, I, I, I don't really think it boils down to weaknesses or team sheets. It just when we play against City, we have to be perfect in every way. And um, that's the only way we've out- managed to get anything out of those games in the past. And uh, our players know how to do that. Whether they can do that or not is is another thing. I think, um, I mean, I like our, our lead-up to, to that particular game more than they're like uh, Cities. I think they are much much tougher test uh, against PSG midweek. Um, so... Yeah, I I mean, these are the games you you live for, right? You know, it's going to be nervous. It's going to be squeaky bum time, (laughs) I think, around Thursday. (laughs) Um, But but, uh, I think a lot of it will will, um, depend on who's fit and who's not fit. I mean, I think a bunch of our players who missed yesterday's game had only slight knocks or it seemed like they weren't. uh, uh, I mean, I think Naby might be back. For that game, uh, hopefully, but uh, now to answer your original question, I don't think they really have any weaknesses as such. Um, I just think the whole in order to to beat that team, you have to you have to be your absolute best.
1: Yeah, it's a lovely answer. I've got uh, LFC history in front of me. The last time we beat them was at home was two years ago in the, in twenty nineteen in the title winning season. Uh, and our lineup that day we had Alison, Virgil, Dayan, the big dog Lovren. Uh, partnering Virgil at the back, and then um, you know Robertson and Trent at the back, and then we had Fabinho, Vianaldo, and Henderson in midfield, and Femina, Manny, and Salah up front. And th- that's a really strong lineup. And uh, I'll just bring up the game that we lost 4 1, 7th of February this year, that Doug was alluding to. We had um, a back four that day. Uh, Would you, Adam and Eve it of uh, Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho and Vineldum at centre-backs. And then in midfield, we had Thiago Henderson and Curtis Jones. And then the usual front three of Firmino, Mane and Salah. So, of course, there were holes, more holes than a Swiss cheese, Fergus. Uh, But, um, you know, before that 4-1 victory, uh, the last victory that... um, Manchester City had had was on the 3rd of May 2003 when they won 2-1 at Anfield. And apart from that, it's all been Liverpool wins and draws. And that game in 2003, we had Jimmy Traore at left-back. We had uh, Danny Murphy in midfield, Milan Baros, El Hadji Diouf and Michael Owen up front. That was a heck of a long time ago. So history's a little bit with us, Fergus. What do you think about this game against Man City?
3: Um, well, the good thing is that we know that um, Pep tends to overthink the big occasions. Um, as Ryan said, that um, City don't really have have any weaknesses, except Pep. Pep is probably their weakness at times. He's, he's his own worst enemy. Um, having said that, yesterday he actually got... I watched the Chelsea-Man uh, City game and... After within the first twenty minutes, I knew Man City were going to win. Tommy Tuchel got his tactics totally wrong, and Pep got his absolutely right. He he corrected the mistake he made in the Champions League final. He played Rodri in midfield, which he he dropped him or didn't play him. He didn't play Rodri or Femen. Friend, you know, in the Champions League final, he played um, Gundogan. So yesterday, City were. um you know, were so superior. It makes you wonder and question about Chelsea and about Tommy Tuchel because Chelsea were, were poor yesterday, really poor, and um, Tuchel got his tactics totally wrong. It was, they basically, they played like a, a relegation side, um, sat back and tried to play on the counter-attack. But you know how, how good City are when they're, when they're purring, when they're really um, knocking the ball about. And they had De Bruyne in top form, uh, Greenwich was good. Um, uh, the Silva, the the Portuguese, uh, Bernardo Silva, he was really good as well. Jesus was played a great game yesterday. You know, and the, the, you get all these tropes and narratives that people talk about. City don't have a centre forward. Jesus is a great centre forward, and he'd be great in any in any team. Just because he's not some hundred million pound player, you know, he gets forgotten about. He had a brilliant game yesterday, and he worked so hard. Um, so, City were looking extremely dangerous yesterday. And it wouldn't surprise me if City are, um, uh, you know, our nearest challenges this year instead of Chelsea. Even if you look at uh, understat.com, uh, Chelsea are really um, overperforming this year. You know, their XG is 9.4, but they've scored 12 goals. Um, and their XG against is um, 6.61, and they've only conceded two. So, what that says is that, their underlying underlying performances don't merit the amount of points and goals scored and goals conceded that where they currently are. They should have conceded more goals. They should have scored less. And yesterday, on that evidence, you know they were they were um, very poor. So I think Chelsea might struggle somewhat this season, especially in breaking down teams. Uh, Tommy Tuchel has has got a defence first uh, mindset. Um, he, he he does organize his teams brilliantly, and everyone knows where they have to be, and the teams play, you know, on autopilot really. But when you're playing three five, uh, three four three, or, or I think it's it's more like I mean, yesterday Lukaku was up on his own, so it was more like a, you know, a, a I don't know a three three six one or something. But um, I, I'm not a big uh, believer in Lukaku either. I think Lukaku is well overrated. You can put the ball in the net and he bullies people around, but he's got no finesse, you know? And the ball was bouncing off him yesterday. His control was pretty poor. So in terms of this uh, game on Saturday, it's a huge one uh, with the Anfield crowd. City have a, uh, Pep and City have a fear factor going to Anfield, and we need to engender that and maintain it. And uh, Pep might do something stupid on the team sheet. He he knows that they're going into the Lions Den and, and he's going to be cautious. City what Liverpool has to do is overwhelm them, overwhelm them in the first 20 minutes like we do to teams. And um, you know, put our chances away.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting answer. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna actually really need to be at our best, but it's it's very possible that we could that we could be. But um my question for you is, Alan, is um what is our best? What is our best team? You know, who would you who would you go with? Obviously Allison in goal, obviously Trent at right back. But what about, you know, left back and centre backs,
4: Alan? Um I, I I'm of the opinion and I, I said it earlier on in the season two that um I think Simicas should be starting some games ahead of Robertson. And I think City is the game for it. Um I dunno, you know, I think Simbacs has a better cross crosser. He's a better crosser of the ball. He, he he allows us more. How would you say attack from that side? I know Andy has his physicality. He'll run all day. He's a workhorse. He's fantastic. I love him. But the certain games, I think, where Simic is more suited. Uh, and I think this will be that game. Um, I can't see it happening, but that's what I would do. Um, I'm hoping Naby will be back for it because, like Fergus said, there, I think the way. You know what you're going to get from City. And Fergal is right that yesterday, um, again, I was watching the game too, and Chelsea did sit back off them. And what we need to do to City is virtually what Bradford did to us yesterday, was just swamp us from the beginning. That's that's the way we beat City. Pressure, stick them back, have them under pressure, have them chasing back, and not able to play their football around the middle of the pitch. So I think if Naby is back, it'll be a big help. Um, and centre-backs, I think our back four is okay, really. Um, like, yes, it was a bad day yesterday, but Virgil and, and Matipa are, in my opinion, the two best centre-backs in the Premiership, if not Europe. And uh, just, just go for them from the beginning. Um, not winning yesterday, if we'd won yesterday, you would you'd be kind of thinking a draw. You'd settle for a draw. But I think now we need to go and, and beat City. Um, like I said, C- City are a type of team that, uh, again, I've said it before. If we get a certain amount of pints ahead of City, City will just give up and concentrate on the Champions League. And their their win yesterday brings them right back in it. And I think if we go for them, we can we can beat them and move on and continue on and probably win the season. The one the one. One other thing I, I'm slightly disappointed with this year with, with, with Jorgen is the likes of Simacass, Tacky, and and stuff. Like the first two games of the season, Simacas was fantastic, and I thought he made a mistake by bringing Andy straight back in when he was fit, because so I think it sends a message to the to some of the to players that you come in when there's a main player out as such, you play fantastic, and then you're dropped. Um, it's something similar like with with Tacky. Taki played fantastic in the preseason games. He was looking more like the player we bought. Then he doesn't get a game. He plays during the week in the League Cup, scores great, plays great. Even brought him back into midfield for part of the game. He played great. And then he doesn't even think about bringing him on yesterday. So um, if if there's one fault, I'd say is, is is we need to give them substitutes and you know squad players more confidence that when they play well, they keep their, keep their place. But um. No, I suppose I'm muffling on a bit there now, but um, I think we just go on a taxi from the beginning and put them under pressure. If we get a goal. I think we, we'll just we'll just beat them and move on to the next game.
1: Well, very nice, very nice. And you you bring Cater in, but for who? For for Fabinho Henderson or Jones?
4: Uh, I'd bring him in for Henderson. I'd, I'd hold Henderson in, in reserve for the second half, maybe. Um, if, okay. And if and if Cater is not not fit, I'd bring Millie in. Maybe as well, um, but again, Henderson is a big player for a big game, so I can't really see Klopp doing it. But but if if I'm right and his legs work on yesterday, maybe maybe you will see it.
1: Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Okay, um, Doug, what do you make of what do you make of Allen's team? I mean, he's he's having Simekis at left back. He's having um, uh, sorry, and uh, he's having uh, uh, Keita, uh in midfield with 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 Curtis and and Fabinho. Uh, what, what do you reckon? What would you do? Mm,
2: um, well, I think I think the back four is going to be Trent, Mata, Van Dyke, and I do agree. I think Simicast potentially comes in for this game. Um, I think you might see Robo against Porto, and then probably um, I mean, obviously I said Simicast potentially, but what I think think about, I think, not done not put wrong um this season as well so i think i think you'll probably see um potentially i don't know
1: it i'm sorry to interrupt Doug, but your 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 internet connection was was pretty it uh, kept cutting out i don't know can you maybe it's better now
2: can you speak maybe um, there were a
1: few connection things
2: yeah yeah, um, yeah. What what I was what I was going to say is I I think I think the bank four is going to be sort of trapped at Van Dyke, and I do agree with Alan. I think Simicast will potentially come back in because um, I think Simmikas hasn't really put a foot wrong this season, um, and if you look at the way that Robbo has played this season, I, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't think he's quite been um fit um all season really. So I, I think having having like a good left back cover uh, for sure is is the main thing. Um midfield's very interesting. For me, I think it'll be Fabinho. I don't see Henderson being dropped. I re- I really don't I, I think I think it's I think it's potentially Fabinho Henderson Keita, Kater, if K is fit. If it's not, then it will be the, probably the same midfield that, that was yesterday, um, and then I actually think that Bobby will come in for Jota because I think I think we're going to need Bobby's um, quick flicks and good creativity coming from you know the the. I think Bobby will come in for uh, for Jota. So um, I've said I've said Ali. Ali Trent, Matt Van Dyke, Simicus, Fabinho, Henderson, Keita, Mani, Bobby Sala. I think that'd be my team for, for Man City.
1: Excellent stuff. So there you go. Two people, two different teams. What do you who are you who would you pick, Brian?
0: Um I I I honestly I don't know. <laughs> it I I would just I would I would just pick the strongest available players we have. And put them out there and uh and go with that. <laughs> I just okay, but, <laughs> but who, who is it?
1: Who who, are, who is the strongest? You know, for example, who is the strongest? Uh, you know, number number nine and a half? You know, is it Jota or Firmino? Who would you
0: go for? <sighs> um I like Jota. I like Jota coming in from the left. Uh I'd probably bench back Mane um and give if Bobby's fit, um, play Bobby and Jota. And Salah, um, I'd like to see Millie back in the team uh, as well. And I agree completely with uh, with the shared about uh, Robo uh, uh, getting straight back into the team. I think uh, uh, our uh, other left back could definitely feel hard done by. Um, and it, I agree, it sends the wrong kind of message to the squad. But uh, I'd love to see Bobby back in the team starting. Um, that would be my main hope, and also Millie um, back in the starting 11.
1: So, Millie coming in for who? So, you, you'd have uh, Fabinho, Henderson, and Milner?
0: Yeah Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, interesting stuff. There you go. So, three fans with three completely different teams. Fergus, what about you? Who would you pick?
3: Are you there, Fergus? Oh, yeah, good. Yes, I am here. Um, who would I pick? well it's it's there's two questions who would i pick and who do i think Klopp will pick
1: oh it, just you just you because yeah Kloppo, yeah, yeah i mean yeah
3: uh-huh. uh, i'd go for for ali and goal the usual back four um even though simicas has been brilliant and I, he's actually he he, he seems uh, technically better or he is technically better than robo better crosser he's better at uh, dribbling beating players you know, Robo puts his head down and bursts past people where Simicus actually has quite a lot of uh, foot skills. So I'm a big simicus fan and I think he really as um, as what Alan said there that uh, you know really on merit, Simicus should have played against Chelsea. And I was at that game and uh, Robo was a real liability in that game and, and and but he's been good ever since he had a bad Chelsea game and he has been good, but, but Simicus probably has a higher ceiling. But I would probably start a, a, a Robo just because of the experience factor going in a, a big game. But, but I mean, a clock might ch- start one against Porto and the other one against um, City, and that's perfectly acceptable as well. You know, City do that all the time, swapping in and out fullbacks. And in midfield, um, I'd have Cater nowhere near the team. You know, I'd I'd, I'd swap Naby Cater for a bag of nuts right now. Um, you know, I, I think he should be sold and should have been. And basically, he's just a liability and um he's like he's like you know if you buy an expensive car and it's just um it's just depreciating in the garage um because he's this is the second last year of his contract next next summer he's on the final year and you know I don't hear any noise about us giving him another contract he's our third or fourth highest player he's probably gone down the pecking order a bit since all the seven new contracts were issued but um you know last checking he was about our third highest earning player and uh you know really hasn't produced the goods um curtis jones is the future uh curtis should be in ahead of nabi so uh, you know depending on fitness i would have fabinho uh at the base and then with henderson it's interesting alan said he thinks henderson's legs are going um i i didn't watch him that closely yesterday so i don't know but um that's an interesting observation but i mean he has i'll look i'll look at that but he has to start um, alongside Curtis Jones because he's our next best midfielder. Um, Milner's a possibility, um, especially in the City game, uh, so potentially Curtis against Porto, um, uh, keep him on a roll after scoring his goal, and then Milner against City. So, um, But having said that, uh, me personally, I would choose uh, Curtis against City. And then the front three against City, I think Klopp will go with Bobby Firmino. He loves him in the big games. He likes his reliable, he, he likes his, um, you know, he has his favourites. Um, but I would go for Jota um, and Salah and Mane
1: up top. Excellent stuff. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, he's very interesting. It goes to show the, the quality we have in depth because, you know, we've, we've all got different opinions. Um, I would play... Costas against Porto and if he's brilliant again, then I would say he can keep his place because Robertson, I mean, I, of course, I love Andy Robbo and, and it's worth noting he got his 40th assist from fullback in the Premier League, which puts him on the th- uh, as the third highest uh, assisting fullback in Premier League history. And they're all left backs. Leighton Baines is at the top of that list with fifty-three assists in his career. So, Robbo, there's every chance that he can overtake Leighton Baines and become the the top assister, uh, assisting fullback in in Premier League history. So, of course, I love Robbo, but I do think, yeah, he does. There's there's not even five percent missing. There's maybe naught point five percent missing from his game that could be down to fatigue. So, if Costas plays against Porto and he plays well, then yeah, I put Costas in at left back I would I would say Jones keeps his place just because statistically he was really good yesterday and uh you know he's I think he's uh as Fergus said he's the future um with Harvey Elliott of course and Fabinho and Henderson because I think he's a he's a good big game player we need his leadership uh Virgil and, and and uh and matip at the back, I would, I would still pick them. Um, yeah, I think they had an off day. It's just an off day. And then up front, what would I do? It's really, it's really interesting. Brian shout of Jotto on the left, Bobby in the middle, and 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 Mo on the right. I think I might go for the same, maybe. But then I don't know, Sadia I don't know. It's really difficult. I no, I'd go with the usual front three. So almost the same team as Fergus, but with Costas at left back. Um, but anyway. We've got it all to look forward to. I mean, we're recording this on Sunday, so there's a uh, the really exciting Porto game that we haven't talked about because I just want to focus on the Premier League uh, for the moment. Um, the, the Champions League is absolutely wonderful as well. So I hope everybody listening, thank you so, so much for listening, that you enjoy the Porto game. And uh, we'll be back on Friday on YouTube. If you don't know yet, um, Friday... It's 7 pm UK time every Friday. We're doing a show on YouTube, so just look for the cop on. Uh, channel on YouTube, you can find us on Linktree, Cop On Podcast loads of different ways of getting the link but it's really nice, we've got fans we invite fans from different clubs, we had a Man United fan and a Chelsea fan as well as a couple of Liverpool fans last week and it's really good fun talking about uh, the Premier League, previewing the Premier League's actions, we'll be back on Friday for that and we'll be back after Manchester City as well thank you all very very much for listening, it really means a lot And uh, give us a a follow, a subscribe on YouTube. That would be brilliant as well. Um, And thank you. And thank you very much to my guests. It's Doug from The Dugout. Speaking of YouTube channels, check out Doug's channel, The Dugout. D-O-U-G. The Dugout. Brilliant YouTube channel. Loads of content on there. Uh, Thanks very much to Brian. Uh, Thank you very much to Fergus. And thank you very much to Alan. We've got Reds all around the world. Uh, And, uh, Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Take care. You'll never walk alone.
0: Take it easy, boys. Thanks, lad. (laughs) See you (laughs) later. Sorry, uh, you cut me off guard there. I was like, (laughs) when you asked me that question, I wasn't quite on the ball. Oh, no, it's all right. No, it's good. It was a good
1: answer.
0: answer. I felt like I was back at school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mr Hayes, what do you think of that? Yes, uh, Mr. Hayes. Yeah. Don't I think the it corner, has
1: nine pounds of flour. How many
0: baguettes? What What was the writer trying to say in that poem, Mr. Hayes? Uh, it was It was about love and hate. Uh,
4: Back in your usual corner.
1: Yes. <laughs> that was uh, great. It was great. Really nice to speak to you all. It was really, really good fun. So uh, take care. I've got to edit that as quickly as I can. And uh, yeah, speak to you soon, guys.